2023 is officially over. What a year. It was our first full year of recording episodes of Unstructured Unlocked. We published 28 episodes and received over 2,000 downloads. Thank you to our guests from companies like Beasley Digital, InsureTech Hartford, Munich Re, Sun Life, Cushman and Wakefield, Capgemini, and many more. In this episode, we are sharing some of our favorite clips from 2023 episodes. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. All the new InsureTechs, they're getting better and better. A lot of these guys come out of the industry. They have a yep. fantastic background and they're trying to make it smoother, you know, and, and hopefully in my next position or what, you know, the next, the next place I fall, we either have a system that works really well or they have the, the investment income or that they can invest into something. One of these InsureTechs or, you know, some, some other, some other, um, you know, including some AI stuff, including all the different pieces that. Yeah, yeah. I think would really, you know, you know, it's as it's as simple as you know, if you could smooth the intake process from, you know, not having to do all the manual side, which I know that I know there's many people out there that are starting to do that now, especially yeah. if you use an accord form or something like that for your submission. But you know, oftentimes our submissions come in they're not they're not on a form, you know, they're yeah. they're not standardized, so it, it makes it more challenging. And so, you know, I, I think that there are plenty of folks out there that can do the uh, the standard stuff. There's plenty of insure techs out there. It's when you get a little bit more complicated that it's still, it's still, there's still a lot of manual work to yeah. be done. You know, and yeah, AI is not to the point now that it can, you know, take a take an on formatted document and figure out what where to put everything. You know, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, yeah. You you know, you get those loss runs or SOVs that are on, you know, scratched on a scan of a napkin, right? And you got to <laughs> deal with it. Um, yeah, or, or the whole submission comes in, you know, just as a Word document or you know, as, as, a, as a series of emails. Yeah. Can we get all of this information gathered efficiently so we don't have to have a lot of folks typing it into systems? So can I can I machine read my submission? Yes. And if I can re machine read my submission, then could I go out to third-party data sources who know a lot about this particular risk or this particular industry and gather information electronically that keeps the underwriter from having to go research it themselves? Yeah. And can I put Put that into a model and can I output something that I can feel comfortable with? Those are the types of things that the industry is trying to get to to save the human human centric sort of you know wasted energy that people go through today to round out their understanding of a particular risk. And you know, it's a it's a very difficult to find a good underwriter these days. Uh, the the economy is such, you know, when you've got an unemployment rate ticking along at three, I think in the insurance industry it's less than two. Whoa. Some people would argue that it's zero or negative. Yeah. Uh, that it's very, very difficult to get a good underwriter and Oh, by the way, teach them everything about your archaic legacy systems that they need to know, which is a very yeah. difficult thing. So getting getting to a point where you can leverage the technology is really a big deal. Yeah, that's interesting. At Indico, we talk a lot about uh, automation and you know processing you know, by bots or AI or whatever it is, not as being something that displaces the human from the process, but puts them at the center with a bionic arm so they can move more faster. And it sounds like um, the insurance industry is thinking about uh, these processes the same way. In fact, it sounds like you need more people. Uh, you just need them with better tools at the same time. 
Yep. Yeah, exactly. And I'll go back to the phrase decision velocity. You really are trying to enable an underwriter to make their decisions faster with more confidence and less touch back to the insured or the Mm. insured's broker. Because if you've got two equal companies that are pestering your producer for information that one can gather electronically and never has to ask the question and the other ones on the phone to them every single day or or firing off emails trying to clarify details the broker the producer is going to be more interested in working with the efficient uh, company and it's faster it's less hassle for them they have to have fewer people on staff as well to support their business and and it has a, a cascading effect so it's not only making the, the our underwriters uh, more efficient but it's also putting a face out to the marketplace that says, hey, we're easy to deal with. We understand you. We go get information we don't have to ask you about. And we're able to make decisions very quickly and get you an answer because getting an answer quickly for them is a really important uh, part of their jobs. Yeah. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. My experience talking to insurers about these challenges have highlight, highlighted a handful of pain points. Um, which were, you know, they were in there. I mean, one is everything, especially on the, you know, large commercial lines, like you pointed out, everything's super bespoke, right? And Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. you know, if you wanted to automate this process, right, that means you have to read the email and emails, um, I've told people this, email is like the most unstructured of all of the unstructured data because you can say whatever you want. You don't have to stick to any kind of template. You can attach anything you want, including more emails to the email. Um, And those things may have attachments. It's this huge, nested, crazy uh, data structure. But anyway, you have to read the email. You have to ask, figure out what someone's asking. You know, do they identify the coverages that they want? Do they reference documents? Are those documents referenced then attached? And you have to go find those things. And you have to pull out, like it might be an accord form, right? So you have to pull out all of the infinite detail that's in like an accord 125 um, mm-hmm. um plus policies plus you know say they've attached something like a loss runs history um and you were talking about you were talking about borderos being big tables um we have a saying in indico r&d that there's no such thing as a table because you know, people do, they'll dump whatever data they want. And they'll put table one on top of it. It's like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. The, you have like six levels of nesting here. This, this is not fair. You can't call this a table. So yeah. that that's one of the pain points is just the overwhelming amount of data and the need to be able to reference one data point, like the email against the attachment that came in and tie all mm-hmm. of that together in a bundle. And there's the, there's the identification right of of the data that's sitting in that that unstructured or even I'll even call it semi-structured um yeah. input right and then there's ingesting it in a way that's um yes. you try to automate it in a sense so that it's not just manual entry which takes a ton of time uh human error can can happen uh so and then how how do you make it I, I talked about this on the the first time we chatted about making that information usable right so you've got the data you've got it usable in the sense that that you pulled it out but now how do you use it to make business decisions how do you take all this information and decide that you are going to underwrite this policy that you do want to bind this policy um like how do you how do you elevate that the data that's come in 
hits up against some some processing exception that requires uh, a deeper look or a different workflow. Um, And just just how how do you how do you make that process as efficient uh, and accurate as possible? Um, And that's not even now I'm just on a rant. No, stay on the soapbox as long as you want. Yeah, yeah. That's not even getting into the how do you take the the data that's coming on the during this process and validate that it's even correct, right? So what other third-party information are you pulling in? What system does that happen in? Right? Where are those checks and balances? What what are the the I'll call it the pings that like alert someone that it needs a second look? And then how do you continue that workflow? A lot of the insurance industry is sitting on so much data and it's their inability to access it to then, to your point, Brandy, activate that data to make their business decisions, like to, to go after a new geography, to go after a new line of business, or uh, to your point, to reduce their exposure in a line of business if, you know, depending on on how on how their decision uh you know, workflow is, is going and, and what they want to refine. I, yeah. Could you imagine yeah. like if like a carrier could say to you in a second, like, Oh, all of our Marine risk is like sitting in like one geo, then they might be like, that's probably not good. Right. Like we probably need Marine a little bit more like spread out. So, but like, I think right now, like it's really hard for them to do that because they split out by LOB and geo. So I think there's like, there's a lot they could be doing just from that standpoint, but that's even just still like just capturing the required fields to like quote the business. But what about all the other data, right? That's like sitting in these submissions. Like think, think about if you could capture like 200, 300 fields and like all those fields could like tell you something or they could create something in the market that, that would disrupt. I think that's, those are the things we start like encouraging our customers on. What we find is that uh, people look to technology to change things, but technology just accelerates things. We have to understand the business process that we're trying to solve for. And every carrier seems to be in a somewhat unique position vis-a-vis their own journey. Uh, That said, I would also say that there are patterns of journeys that are very, very similar. For example, if I'm looking at Um, say, commercial property casualty claims, Mm -hmm. I know that uh, if I have a fire claim, I'm going to have certain things that are going to come in. I'm going to have, you know, the certificates, the the damage estimates, the building value estimates, the issues on what's the commercial value impact and so forth and so on. And a lot of that's going to be a heck of a lot of documents that are going to come in. And I need to understand what all that's going to be. And I'm going to have some poor schlep who has to sit there and look through all those documents and understand you know, those documents and so key up, this is what's happening and so mm-hmm. forth and so on. And uh, a lot of commercial property casualty is still done in that manner. Yeah. Um, some people have more sophisticated approaches to that. Some of them are using automated document ingestion. Some people are using uh, commercial front end software like a CRM to actually okay. sit there and do stuff. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the pattern or the business practice is I need to figure out what went wrong, what's the peril, and whether or not I have coverage and how much it is. Right. Um, and that's where uh, we have to sort of ask the question, what problem are we trying to solve for? Am I trying to just solve for the problem of, I want to ingest a bunch of documents, or am I trying to solve for the problem of, I need to understand my liability quickly and at the least cost possible so that I can have the optimal result for client and firm. 
And when we start to decompose the business process, that's when we bring in the technology. So 70% non-value add, but does that non-value add activity take, is it like really specialized knowledge or training you have to have, or is this sort of fungible activity? No, so, okay. So let me, uh, I was thinking of delving into it a little bit later, but since you have asked this question, let me also put <laughs> right. across some of the, uh, the those activities that they have to to take part of, right? And, and which takes a lot of the time. So the, the biggest activity which takes their time is the initial submission intake process. Yep. The problem with this activity is that what happens is that they, they deal with brokers uh, day in and day out. And brokers usually end up asking for hundreds of documents from their clients and they just dump it on the underwriters irrespective of what the uh, the case is being considered for, what the documents are required, it's just a dump that goes there. Now, underwriter has to go through these documents just to figure out that initial set of information, bare minimum information is required to even start the process. Now, that's just the first step of it. The problem also happens is even though they are sending a lot of these documents, that doesn't mean that they are sending all the required documents. Then there's a lot of back and forth, which also happens. That, okay, this information is missing. This document is not mo- the most updated one. Can you send me the new version of it? Right? So all this initial processing itself takes a lot of days and there's back and forth with the customer, which keeps on happening. And this takes away a lot of their time. Thank and I would say, Abhi, the, the next step, right, is so all everything you described is the back and forth to just make sure that that submission is, is what I'll call in good order, right? That you have everything yes. you need to, to do analysis. But once you get it in, then you actually have to validate that the information is correct, right? And there's a lot of data um, error potentially in some of those documents, whether it's coming from the broker, whether it's the, the end insurer that maybe submitted something incorrectly or it doesn't line up with all the fields that that underwriter to input correctly. So there's the, the, the intake or the ingestion of, of everything you need. And then there's the validation that everything you need is in good order to even begin the process of doing the underwriting work, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But what you're stating is it's a real pain point within the industry, right? So, so, so like you mentioned, the first step itself is where getting the uh, those data points is a big problem. And then once that happens, even validating some of those data points, if the information which is being put across, whether it's the right set of information which is there or not, all these things takes a lot of their time and uh, an effort. And then ultimately what happens is that it also results in a poor customer experience on the other side of it. So while the, you have the most expensive resource in the industry dealing with this, this particular activity, which doesn't even require them to be part of the process, and still at the end of it, you end up antagonizing your customers because they have a very poor experience of the whole process. Potential for outsourcing. There's a demand, there's demand that is there. There's a supply which is coming up. And the other factor which kind of helped during this process is the COVID. COVID kind of accelerated this trend. The reason, reason being that the talent wasn't available. Underwriting talent. If you look at the current insurance industry, most of the uh, tenured resources are nearing to their uh, retirement cycle. So what's happening is and the new talent which the industry wants, it's not readily available. So that's where these enterprises thought that with the scarce amount of talent that is available, we should rather deploy them to the core processes instead of you deploying on to these non-valued activities. So that's where they started thinking about 
outsourcing these activities to uh, service providers. Now, on the other end, what happened is that these service providers, while they developed these digital solutions, but they also started getting the right talent and the people with domain expertise to help build these these uh, digital underwriting solutions and also have operational resources to uh, cover for the exceptions which are going to be generated out of, out of this process. And the, this is where this worked really well for the industry. And as far as what we have seen, so the, we we started the process of writing this paper a year back and we released it uh, not year back as such, but a couple of months back uh, around that. And we released it after that. And it's been six months since uh, we would have released this paper. Still, we are hearing from the market that more and more digital underwriting solutions are coming into the picture. In fact, the interesting thing is that some of the Gen AI use cases that I'm hearing, they are also targeted towards underwriting. So that's an interesting thing that the one activity where there was literally no outsourcing happening before two, three years to where it is being considered a candidate for a generative AI use case, it's it's just something that someone would have not imagined a couple of years back. We talk a lot about um, paper-heavy processes in the insurance industry these days, which obviously um, apples and, and oranges uh, from what you all are doing, but there are, they're both fruits. There are some similarities. And <laughs> as for someone out there in the audience that's thinking about automating parts of an underwriting process or a claim submission process, what are the steps that you would recommend uh, for them to get started as they think about that automation and that process management? Yeah, I think when evaluating any opportunity, it's really understanding what, again, what makes sense to automate and what doesn't and what steps of the process are ready to be automated. I think too often, we tend to have the association that automation's an all or nothing game and that if it can't do 100% of claims processing, for example, then it's not valuable. And even though you may dissect that and say, we're saying that it's not feasible because of this 10 to 20% of the process that's just really complicated or that we could build in to the initial scope, but it's going to increase our timelines by several months. And maybe there's not the initial appetite to fund a project that long to see the return off of it. So mm -hmm. I think it's, it's having that mindset of being willing to understand that automation and any type of change is a journey and it's a, a means to an end rather than accomplishing everything at once. And if you're able to come in and say, this process is, is ripe for opportunity, it's ripe for automation, maybe we only do 50% of that process as a wave one to just prove out the approach, prove out the technology that we're looking to implement, and then can add on incrementally 10 to 20% more of the process at a time where it makes sense as enhancements. And if you only get to 70% of the end-to-end -end process automated, but you're saving significant time for the team overall, then realizing that that's a win. It's not getting to full automation. It's about how you create incremental value and how you ensure that you're realizing that value as you go through and deliver a segment of that process. Which of an existential threat is that wait and see attitude? Like, is there real risk of being like left behind completely? I do think it depends on where you are in the market, both from a personal lines and commercial lines perspective, and also based on geography. Um, certain geographies of the world are much further ahead with digitalization of processes across many verticals, not just the insurance vertical. 
certainly something we see in the Nordics. Um, so the expectations are so high and it is an existential threat. If, if they don't achieve this automation and deliver on those needs um, and have this straight through processing and, and really be able to meet those customer expectations, um, they will lose their customers and they will not be able to remain competitive in the industry. And I think we're going to see more and more of that on the personal line side of the house than, you know, with this existential, existential threat uh, with personal lines carriers, because there is a little bit more of a simplicity and a little bit more of a higher expectation in the personal lines market. Yeah. We often also tend to see not just with regards to claims automation, not just with regards to inflation or anything else, but really personal auto tends to be sort of the, the tip of the spear when we see the impacts and the adoption and the way that carriers are looking to adopt technology. And then other lines of business kind of fall behind that. And you know, with commercial lines falling behind personal lines, so I think it's less of a threat on the commercial line space because they they really have the opportunity to to look at uh, leveraging these technologies in different ways and achieving different things inside of their organization versus necessarily direct to consumer. Uh, when I say that, I'm talking more about mid-market and up with large commercial. The small business market tends to to operate very much like the personalized side of the house uh, where the expectations are rising and you will not be able to compete if you do not have an optimized, digitized uh, claims experience for your for your policyholders in the next three to five years. I can talk mainly about small commercial markets. I think um, what I'm seeing in all those regions, right, US, Canada, France, Germany, Spain, the UK, things are becoming increasingly connected between the carrier, the broker, and the client. That's happening at different rates in different countries. Um, and I think that's going to lead to faster product change. Right, whether that be pricing, appetite, or even the services that we add to the to the insurance products, that's all going to accelerate as these markets become more 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 connected. Um, whether that's going to happen in the next three years or the next ten years, I'm not going to try and. I'm definitely not a crystal ball expert on this one, um, but that that connectivity leading to faster cycles, faster innovation. Is definitely happening in all regions. Taking it away from underwriting for a second onto the claim side, what what we've heard a lot is AI would be great for um, you know automating some of those internal operations. So I'm I'm the claim adjuster, or I'm in the service center, and I'm answering calls. And so if I need to look something up or identify information really quickly, I can use you know a chat GPT or or generative AI to get that answer for me. But um, we are a long time away from allowing AI to be the interface with our customer, because at the end of the day, that is where you most typically an insurance carrier is interacting with the customer. So um, Chris, to your point, that human plus AI, just from what my understanding is of the appetite and just the, the claims lane, um, is that it's never going to be a full AI process end to end. To Chris's point, I don't think it needs to be fully automated at the moment. We don't need to directly expose these things to customers, but there's a lot of very interesting things happening in, in broadly what are being referred to as co-pilots now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, thank you, Microsoft, for calling everything co-pilot. Um, we're, we're seeing an evolution in different products and claims of helping uh, people doing customer servicing to align to typified responses to customers. I saw a very interesting example, I think it was from KPMG recently, in looking at helping claim staff, uh, this is this is going to sound strange, uh, appropriately emotively respond 
to work as compensation claimants to make sure that you know they they exhibit both a a, a correct response to to what's taken place to the customer who might have been terribly injured but also you know keep it on track to make sure that the claim is appropriately dealt with and you know making sure that they understand what the next best action is should be something has typically been something that a, that a human being is solely responsible for but homogenizing responses for for better or for worse is something that these systems are quite good at doing and analyzing in real time and you know, one thing that we often don't think about in, in claims processes is that where you're directly interacting with a human being, you're under quite a lot of pressure. So making sure that you've got a, a backup, as it were, you know, a, a non-human entity, dare I say, to make sure that you know you're following corporate process, that you're responding in an appropriate way, that you know what you're saying is in line with corporate procedure is something that reassures people quite a lot. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Unstructured Unlocked. You can find all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts today. Be sure to write a review if you like what you hear.